In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Angry Mobsters Everywhere. Welcome in to episode 86 of the Gospel Friends. I am the Reverend Verbage. Oh, I'm Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson. I was trying to think of something to... You kind of did the Ohio State University I thing there. I, did. I was trying to think of something to top yeah. that. but I don't know failed. why they do that, but I think it's... And I'm not an Ohio State fan. No. Uh, I struggle with people from Ohio, but... In general, <laughs> totally. But I do like, I do like. Wow, this is uh, awkward. I do like the uh, the Ohio State. So uh, I like people from Indiana. And in case there are imposters out there, I mean, I, I figure the Reverend Verbage would be proper. You're probably safe. Anyway, Chase, it's good to be back with you this yeah, week. It's good to be here too, man. <laughs> Looking forward to doing the show with you today. Is I anybody am. else joining us? I think it's just you and I. Okay, All sounds right, good. Cool. I thought he was delayed because he was getting his hand lotion ready. <laughs> I <laughs> thought that's why. <laughs> He did right as I started. He was oh, like, and I'm Nick. Squid. Key to good podcast is having well moisturized hands. <laughs> and that's kind of a. I, can I just be honest? It's kind of a. It, can I see your lotion for a second? Can yeah, I see it? sure. It's kind of girly. It's. It, uh, I think it actually belongs to my wife. Okay, you are Jergens. You are using Jergens yeah. Ultra Healing Nourishes wow. and Heals Skin Moisturizer. All the hand wash I use kind of dries out my hands. Yeah. So, do you have any? Now I touch that. Do you have any? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, you're just gonna get sick. Sorry. Before before we talk about eighty six, we have another guest to bring in. So, no kidding. Uh, live from Ohio. Damn it! I didn't realize what I had done. I'm what? just kidding. I did. Ohio. That's where. <laughs> that's where he's at. Name yourself, guest. I am Chris, the King of Memes Atwood, currently residing in Eurexville, Ohio. How have we not had the King of Memes on before now? Well, we've had what is wrong with us? Chris Atwood on multiple times. This is the that first is time true. in the history of podcasting where a plastic version of a guest has been on multiple <laughs> times before the actual human version. That's true. Plastic Chris Atwood just lives here in the Hall oh, of yeah. Dogma with Bernard and John the Baptist. And all the cans. All the cans. It could have been them. Solar Pope if somebody had come through. <laughs> Solar Pope did not make it. That's sad. We what happened to, to our grenade? We need to order. Speaking of mascots. It's in the uh, Hall of Dogma Church sound, sound booth. Sound booth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's it's kind it of like in the relics. You know, said the relic area. Yeah. We need yeah. to bring it back down here. All right. Bef- uh, all right. So we we'll to talk to Chris. But first of all, you guys get the mobster 86 reference? Oh, yeah. Totally. Okay. You'd have to be an idiot not do, to. What do, do you think it means, Nick? What? <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something. Yo, no, usually no, this cool. banter thing where I don't have to kick back in for a Chris. Do you do you get the reference? It peaked something, but I can't say I know it right off the top of my head. No. Oh, you've insulted. Too. Isn't it like it's Dragnet or something like that? I don't know. No, although Agent eighty six was on. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm thinking there was something with Dragnet in eighty six. Huh? I thought Agent eighty six was get smart. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. It is get smart. When you not, 86 not... something, you get rid of it. That's right. That's well it, Nick. Done, yeah. You 80. Yeah. Yes. I'm paying attention. It's been 86, which is I something I that mobsters would do. That, oh, you didn't. The record now. I just gonna so pretend like I did. That's similar to the 187 then. Murder, death, kill. 
I've, oh, I've never heard of that. It's, Sorry, I've heard talk of, to him, he'll fill you in. He'll, he'll he'll tell me. I've heard of the yeah. BTK. Speaking of Ohio, wasn't he from Ohio? Who's that? The uh, that's uh, that's kind of I'm kind of going dark. The Bluetooth you, killer? Just, uh, no, that's worse than that. <laughs> okay, the Bluetooth killer is not as. Big oh of a yeah, deal. move along. Move yeah, along. let's just, All right. let's just keep going. I, I did want to say I had information to give that I thought would be interesting because I wondered where eighty sixing something came from or eighty sixing somebody, and so doing a little research this afternoon. Apparently, the most there, there's several theories, but the most common theory is that in the 1930s. Um, Restaurants were using a code, uh, 86, and it didn't say where it started, but they were using that code to to let uh, people know, hey, we don't have this item anymore. So it was kind of a code from the back, hey, 86 on the the macaroni and cheese because we're out of it. And so they would mark it off the menu or 86 it off the menu. And so some people think that's where the whole thing started about it's been 86'd. Not sure if that's true or not, but anyway. That is uh, that's actually very informative. Well, I I try to you know bring the info. I'm impressed. When I can. Chris Atwood, thanks for joining us from Ohio, and uh, <laughs> I was going to say your lovely. We're we're on Skype right now. Lovely panel paneled room in in Ohio. Yes. Um, so thanks for having uh, for being on the show uh, for having us on your show. I think is what I was about to say. Uh, why don't Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Just uh, people who uh, may be uh, kind of new listeners. If you're not in the Hall of Dogma, which is our Facebook group, by the way, HallofDogma dot um, you won't get the references to Chris and uh, the King of Memes. But it takes Chris once someone posts something, it takes takes Chris Atwood about. Uh, 22 seconds to post a meme <laughs> in reference to it. Uh, so anyway, introduce yourself. Just tell us a little bit about you and your uh, your family. Yes, I belovingly accept that title of the King of Memes. Uh, yes, my wife and I, we are 29 years old. We are a couple that has just recently in October moved to Ohio from Indiana. I'm originally from Illinois when I was younger, but I guess I'm adopted Hoosier at heart. And uh, this is my first pastorate as a head pastor serving in a church here, a small local rural church in a small area in a small town. So uh, we just uh, listened to the Gospel Friends for quite a while. It's actually been a little over a year for me. I remember first finding the Gospel Friends the night before Halloween. I was on a job, and I found it on my lunch break, and I thought, this is goofy. I need to hear what this is. And, uh, <laughs> I, I had not listened to podcasts for quite a while. I took a break, and I stopped, and you guys got me back into podcasts. So thank you very much. Oh, wow. Thank you. Now, most people have heard of this through uh, John Piper's recommendation, but you know, just yes. kind of stumbling upon it, that's, that's good, too. Well, I, think, I, I believe Chase uh, followed me or something on uh, – yeah, it was Twitter. So That's a good yeah, trick, by right. the way. <laughs> It's really sad because so many people who we have on the show and we ask them, how did you start first start listening to the show? They mentioned that, that Chase followed him on Twitter. And it's just sad because essentially uh, we will never have any new listeners ever because Chase has given abandoned up. Abandoned Twitter. Yeah, Chase has abandoned the Twitter. Uh, uh, that would be at my gospel friends if you wanted just to shoot a tweet that he'll never read. But anyway, I, I mean, it, it, tweet right now. it's <laughs> – it's sad. It's sad because we, we, we can't have any growth because you, you won't uh, follow anyone on Twitter anymore. I, I need to find my motivation again. Yeah, I get your mojo back. Center. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, we are. Chris is uh, definitely uh, just always been one of our um, favorite listeners, and and again, the Hall of Dogma, just a, a, a consistent poster there. And so we're glad to have him on. And uh, this can we've mentioned the Hall of Dogma. In case you're listening to us for the first time, HallofDogma.com is our Facebook group. Uh, you can uh, ask to be let in. More than likely, we will approve that, or I will. I'm not sure Nick and Chase check that very often. I let somebody in this week. Wish I could remember their name. That'd be nice of you. Yep. Now, I'm on the Hall we of Dogma get, multiple times a day. Do you know who I let so. in this week? We give them a shout out. Uh, is there a way Jesus to look at that? Jesus knows their name, sir. Jesus knows their name. How ashamed should you be? It is. Jesus knows them, but I don't remember who they are. <laughs> but anyway, welcome to the Hall of Dogma, whoever I let in this week. Um, so hallofdogma.com for our Facebook group, at my gospel friends on the Twitter. I do check it occasionally. So please don't give up on us. Maybe Chase will find his mojo again. Or you can One email day. us. The gospel friends at gmail.com. Good. Awesome. And uh, if you send us some voicemail or some feedback uh, in, in some of those ways, we may put you on the show. We have some voicemail to play soon, I think. What is That's our voicemail number? 205-575-9735. Good job. Okay. So this week, uh, Chris, in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to you as kind of a new pastor, a uh, we're going to be talking to you about struggles of ministry when um, yeah, for, for younger ministers and maybe those who are going to uh, uh, either struggling churches or church plants. And so we're going to talk about uh, just some of the issues facing ministers and and uh, hear a, bit, a little bit about your experience and maybe share some of ours. And then if we have time, ha ha ha, Nick, you have a little subject for us if we if we make it that far. Indeed. What is that about? We always like to tell people what we're going to talk about and then never do it so that they... Well, and that's a guaranteed way for it to be something that I came up with. It'll absolutely get cut. Well, it's, it's not as much fun cutting your stuff if we don't tell no, people ahead of time what it's um, going to be. Basically, the, <laughs> it seems like the Reformed camp's um, war against John Piper recently. Okay. The Reformed camp going to war against John Piper. We're going to talk yes. about that if we have time. If we Which means no. Okay. We might. Depends on how much time we spend on our first segment, my segment. Oh, hang on a second, yep. guys. Edit point. <clears throat> I got a text from my wife. I need to check on. Uh, what is it? Five thirty-six. Okay. <sighs> Tell David to stop trying to hold my hand while praying for Nick. I am aware of preacher tricks and will not fall for that. Huh. Well. <laughs> That was that was a text message from your wife. That's a text message from my wife, huh? That's uh, that's an awfully interesting text message to what, just what, what happened. Just come in right right here during the podcast. So I'm holding my phone up so nobody thinks I'm faking this. So that this that's is a interesting. Real text could message. I could I could I see all? What does that say? Yeah, you're you're welcome too. Okay, did she actually send this? She actually sent that. Okay, hang on, David. Uh, so I was right. hoping we would add to the podcast a discussion of ministerial ethics. Uh, should pastors flirt and uh, touch wives of church members during prayer time? No. All right. That was okay, easy. Okay. That was easy. What do you think there, Rev? I, I can't even think. I'm trying to think of an appropriate name for a Christian podcast. All right. Well, let me let me say something Reverend about. Pervert? Let me say something about. Um, by the way, your Netflix isn't working. Yeah, thanks. Okay. That's uh, another message. So, <laughs> so let, let me say this. Uh, 
we we were we were praying for Nick today. I don't, I, you Maybe. know, and and um, I you you handed anointing oil to a large group of people that were surrounding Nick and asked everybody to to get some so they could pray for him. And that's why you held hands with. No, it's wife. not. It's okay. not. I was I the last. So. I was the last in the circle to receive said oil. And so when I went to set the oil down, I came back to the circle and it had closed. So I went around to the back of the circle and found an open spot, which was on Nick's shoulder, and I just put my hand there. And 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 I do know there was already a hand on his shoulder, mm-hmm. but when I became aware of it was when they moved their hand later. Uh, it was after a few, after a couple of minutes, they moved their hand out of from under mine. Yeah, and and I and I thought in my head, why are they, why are they moving? We're not done praying yet. So that was your wife. Yeah, that I'm not buying that story. Nick, could we schedule Janet for the podcast uh, next episode? We sure. see if we can really get to the bottom of this. Uh, no problem. I think scandal uh, at wait where? Uh, oh, I mean the Hall of Dogma Church. <laughs> that's that's, a yeah, that's the worst kept secret of the internet. <laughs> okay, well we'll just have a guest on next week, and and you'll you know. See how your lies stand up in the face of the truth train. Well, that yeah. that was what happened. Uh huh. That was what happened. Yeah, I'm not sure. I believe that. Okay. We're gonna edit all that out. Nope. Not all of it. Are we gonna edit some of it out? Nope. Very brief part of it. Okay. The why part where you admitted guilt, we'll edit that. Why out. was your hand on Nick's butt while we were praying? <laughs> we're gonna edit that out. Wow. Oh. I think I think we might want <laughs> to edit that part out. Okay. You realize I can edit that comment out without editing any of the other. Okay, we're back. <laughs> so this Good week we're back. going to get into uh, a little. What were you thinking? The, uh, what the segment. Were you what were you David? thinking? That's exactly the answer. My, my wife today during church. I didn't. My hand was on top of her hand. That is not the same thing as holding someone's hand. Just you know. Look, bring me your hand. No, you're sick. I don't want to hold your hand. Okay, look, just putting your hand where someone else's hand is is not hand holding. That's, <laughs> well, that's pretty close. No, it's not. Just there was no putting gr- your hand there was on no, somebody's bottom. There is was not. no. There was no grasping. <laughs> so the test is is grasping. Yes, it does your hand close and grasp the other person's hand. That is hand holding. Just we have, we have a lot to discuss. Just hand. See, that's hand holding the, right there. The, and now okay. I've got the flu. Ah. <laughs> What were you thinking? The segment of the Gospel Friends, where we take a look at the world around us. (laughs) (laughs) You you just jumped back like three and a half years, dude. I did through the lens of faith in Jesus. Yeah, real. I miss that show. (laughs) Real faith, real news for a real world. Okay, that was an old podcast we used to do. Let that horse die on the side of the road. Here we go. Uh, What were you thinking? We're going to start in. The sick ward at the local hospital. Okay, so what we're going to start off this week is with uh, the my segment. What were you thinking? This is where we you know, kind of take a look at some wacky stories from around the world, see what's going out there with the this crazy, rebellious, sinful world we live in. Chris, before we get started, let me ask you what what is your favorite segment of the Gospel Friends? Um. The what were you thinking is pretty cool, actually. I remember that really, really early on, and there's been some interesting stuff. Uh, I, I think it was like the white tail church, the whole you know naked church thing. Yeah, I, I remember, remember that in segment in my mind. So yeah, it yeah. stands out. 
Yep, that was actually the um, that was actually the episode that won us the uh, listenership of at Baptist Fixer. Nice. <laughs> God rest his soul. I miss him. I do too. Actually, he's still alive. He just doesn't listen anymore. I don't think. I just, yeah. Anywho, okay. <laughs> what were you thinking? Let's start wow. in Detroit, Michigan. Let's do that. Nothing's off topic for me when it comes to podcast stuff, no, Jace. Not a bit. What is, what is your problem? I have nothing. Okay. Just keep hitting on wives and bringing up awkward things on the podcast. Detroit, cool. Michigan. Man sets himself on fire trying to kill bedbugs. <laughs> mm. That's awesome. All right. So apparently Detroit has a – are you guys up on bedbugs like um, – I've heard of bed bugs before, mainly when I was a kid, the whole don't let the bed bugs bite thing. Right, right. I'm but like there's a there's a website you can go to that is a bed bug registry. Mm-mm. And if a hotel has ever had an incident of bed bugs, you they it, it's registered on this site. Someone Ooh. someone told me about it. So you can wow. go out before you travel and you can look up the city and the state and and the hotel and 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 see if they've ever had any complaints about bed bugs. So like people, like my wife's one of them. Like bed bugs is a really really big deal to them. Like not having them. Now, I mean I can't say I would want bed bugs, but I'm just saying it's not something I'd ever thought about. You guys, any comments on that? Y'all have any experience with bed bugs? I've never had it. <clears throat> I've never had an experience with bed bugs, but they are terrifying because they can get in your luggage, and then you got to take them home. Uh, you know, they get in your luggage, you take them home, and they are notoriously difficult to get rid of. Well, apparently, that's what uh, the unidentified 30-year-old man in Detroit, Michigan, uh, thought. They are terribly hard to get rid of. Detroit, Michigan has a high instance of bed bugs, and this particular apartment building uh, apparently had a lot of problems. The unidentified 30-year-old tenant sprayed rubbing alcohol on his couch and body early in January in a bid to eliminate the bed bugs. That sounds, Chase, like something that that you would do. I have often seen you bathe in hand sanitizer or alcohol. Well, so far I'm tracking with this okay. gentleman. Uh, he <laughs> sat down about 4.30 in the morning and Still uh, tracking. smoking a cigarette. Oh, wait, that's a problem. Saw one of the bed bugs <laughs> and decided to try to burn it. Come on, man. Come on. The alcohol-soaked chair caught on fire with him in it (laughs) and him and his body went up in flames which spread to the rest of his eighth floor apartment well his body yeah he got uh, the man escaped the devastating blaze but suffered severe burns Uh, you guys were laughing at it isn't that something that should burn pretty fast though what a body how much alcohol do you have to put on a couch for it to just go up in flames like that? Look, I've got a lot of experience with rubbing alcohol, yeah. and, and I'll go ahead and tell you, it, it's a fair amount. It doesn't burn very hot, though. So, so like, uh, if I were to, for instance, spray you with alcohol right now and set you on fire, you would have a moment or two to put yourself out before you were really burned. This is the voice of experience. Really? Yeah. You've done this before? I, I have. I've set my hand on fire and things like that. Chris, have you ever set you, any part of you, or someone else on fire? Uh, Yeah, actually, I have. I mean, we're all guys here. <laughs> How many of us have not set is part that, of our is body that, on is, fire? Is that a story you can share? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll share one. One of them might not be family friendly. one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I want to hear that one. Yeah, I want to hear this. <laughs> That's pretty. It good. has to do with fire. Afterwards. That's not. Yeah. 
Okay, what's the All one right. you can, you know you can share, I guess? Well, I, I don't know about rubbing alcohol, but I know that the small little yellow bottles of uh, refill lighter fluid, it's got a similar kind of you know viscosity and stuff, I'm pretty sure, when it comes to the burning. You can um, in, entertain your inner young pyro with your young friends and take that and you know, spray a line of it across a, a counter or you can even do it up your arm and you can light it and it takes a bit for it to burn down through the actual liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can put it out, but uh, it's not always as funny to some people when you spray it over certain areas of your body and come running in trying to put it out and act like something's drastically wrong. I'll let your imagination fulfill the rest of that. Wow. Mm. That is fantastic. Um, that is an amazing Chris is like your your brother. Uh, case be. That you, you have y'all ever seen the video of me fire breathing, speaking of? No. You actually have one of those? I, I think I do actually. Okay. Right, watch. It's it's right here. Oh wow. Can you see? This is a real This is the Chase real deal. is really about Okay, that is so fake. That is, I swear to you, that is not <laughs> that, a fake. That video. is so fake. It is Can not. we put this in the show notes? This is for real. Is this on YouTube? No. Uh-uh. Oh, this, this is, is just this you. Is down you, you watch again. Watch. Okay. It is totally not. This fake. is Chase. So it's in his kitchen. He's got a lighter. He spits something on it. <laughs> is it's it rubbing, rubbing alcohol? alcohol. <laughs> He's rubbing alcohol. Okay. Hey, don't try that at home. That'll kill you. Can I? You we are so off the rails here, but I I, I want to say I have been at Chase's house. We were watching WrestleMania. If you go back and listen to the episode where we were trying to get to WrestleMania, uh, we didn't make it but because Buffalo Wild Wings had quit broadcasting it. But we ended up at Chase's house. We're watching WrestleMania. If you're a wrestling fan, you know that one of the wrestling guys is named Triple H. His entrance would involve him spewing water in a mist-like fashion several <laughs> feet in the air. And so we're in Chase's living room, which has maybe, what, Eight foot ceilings, nine foot yeah. ceilings. They're not, you know, not not huge. And I just made the comment: I've never been able to spew water like that. And Chase was Chase just got up off the couch. He was like, "You can't do that." And so, with his wife sitting in the room, Chase takes a big old swig of water, and he just spews the water like Triple H d- does. But the problem is, he spewed it all over his ceiling, and his wife looked at him like, like she just. You know, he was drunk or something. What, well, we what, were watching wrestling. The testosterone was just kind of uh, mm. flowing, you know? All right. I, I feel sorry for this guy in Detroit. did, did say that, that he asked people to pray for him down in the lobby while he was waiting on. Well, we probably uh, should. Burns are painful. That, that's a big deal. But, I mean, what makes you think, oh, there's a bed bug. I'll just burn it with my cigarette. I mean, we got to. Right, anyway. All right. Let's that's do one. Tr- You've met some of the former teenagers in our church, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Pyro Ledbetter. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I have this is a, uh, this is, we're going to do one more. This is more of a, because we talk a lot about, um, or you talk a lot, Chase, about that we don't do enough for the women of the audience. Oh, no. <laughs> and so when I, when I came across this story, wow. I thought, I, we've got to do this one as kind of a, kind of a shout out to the, to the females. Because this might be something that they, they want to look into, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Bluetooth pregnancy tests now available. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Okay, so they have developed – see, Chris is shaking his head. On I just saw this the other Did day. Did you see this? And I, I, I had the same thought, like, wh- what in the world? Okay, well, I'm going to explain it to you uh, because it was interesting to me. Now, 
so what this is is you load an app on your phone. Real quick, I just have a question. Okay. Raise your hand if you don't have children. Okay. We all have children. Right. So what are you going to explain to us about how a pregnancy test works? Okay. Well, I was going to explain to you how this Bluetooth one works. I know how a regular one works. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. We, you just pee on it. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Have, have you ever tested to see oh my. if you were pregnant? <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. Okay, I haven't either. I was just asking. Okay, so uh, the way this thing, the way this thing works so is, you never have any, never there's an app. There's an app. You load it on your phone, okay, and then the pregnancy sticks. They look like normal pregnancy sticks, but they have Bluetooth capability. Okay, and so when you pee on them, uh-huh. then the Bluetooth interacts with the app, and it gives you the results in a few minutes. Which is appealing but, in what way? Okay, well, yeah. here, here's the thing. The app gives you, this, this is where it could be appealing, okay? The app doesn't, it gives you a countdown clock to when you're waiting on your results. But this is... Woo, this is seconds. Hang on. Hang on. This is, uh, this is how they are experiencing it. Um, wow. Excuse me. This is how they are promoting it. Promoting it. Uh, the kit's Bluetooth-enabled pee sticks sync up... <laughs> With a smartphone app offering the user PROs, pregnancy-related content, only available with the pregnancy PRO. So what, what it does is it allows you, while you're waiting on your results, there's, there's three or four different options that the woman can choose. Number one is called Calm Me. They will, the, the app will play relaxing visual content to ease your nerves. <laughs> Number two, wow. you can choose Educate Me. It will play content that will inform you about fertility and pregnancy, which to me seems like it's a little bit late. But anyway, and then, or there's an option called Entertain Me, which will play videos and content that will help to distract the woman while she is waiting on the results to come back on the app. Pregnancy PRO is priced around fourteen ninety nine, about double the cost of a standard C, a standard pregnancy test. Yeah, dude, yeah. those normal ones are not cheap in themselves either. They're but, not. I mean, you're paying for Bluetooth so that like I have enough patience to wait on a frozen burrito in the microwave. <laughs> like, you, can, you can do this. The only other uh, outcome I could see of this that would be in their benefit is like. You know, if someone young uh, is trying to hide it from their parents and they dispose over, they leave it somewhere and they just stick in the area, or um, you just don't want to get off the couch to go see what you just urinated on. I don't know, but well, that's let, expensive. Let me put it this way, Chris, since you just used that illustration. If somebody created a Bluetooth microwave burrito that would play <laughs> you content on your phone that would entertain you or inform you while you waited on your burrito to heat up, would you would you buy that? <laughs> If I were still a bachelor, yes, but I have responsibilities now that keep mm-hmm. me from doing that. But yes, I would. Did you have something to say, Nick? Oh, I have plenty to uh, say. Well, the next pregnancy test I take will be my first, but I would just say that if I was a female, I think I would, I would, I would go with this app. Well, what we want to do is uh, ask the the female members of the Hall of Dogma to weigh in on this question and I hopefully think, give I think them. We their, their I think we should. <laughs> Especially if any of them are like, you know, 
thinking about getting pregnant or or might possibly something. be pregnant. Well, if they're already pregnant, then it's too late. Well, but they might. They've not already know, taken this test, and and so maybe well, we actually we'll this is a public service announcement. It could be, could be. So okay. write in if this is helpful to you, because I was trying to be helpful because Chase says that we don't do enough women's stuff. Well, I, I think that was really another thing that was really good. Okay, well, you guys are welcome. That's going to wrap up what we just said. You guys are welcome to the ladies. (laughs) Yeah, that that was. I say guys. I say guys to everything. You gals are. are, You 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 gals are. uh, So if anybody out there, any wives or or, or ladies in the hall of dogma, is in fact pregnant and and you know finds out via Bluetooth, would you all post that in the hall of dogma? That would be awesome. If you use the Bluetooth app to find out. If you're pregnant, would it or not. not take longer to pair the Bluetooth than it would for the stupid pee stick to turn? I don't know. That's a good I would point. think so. Bluetooth is a yeah. notorious. That's what I'm saying. Bluetooth is notorious tricky. Yeah, it's not always great. Make it Wi-Fi enabled. Okay. That, that's, I'm that's sorry, a, I can't. Wi-Fi is a great idea. Probably cheaper too. Relax me. Well, we had the poo Wi-Fi. Maybe this can be self-generating with the urine. You just get free Wi-Fi. That's an excellent. That I, I remember there's, that. that. There's a chemical callback that generates enough power. Oh, good callback, okay. Chris. All right, let's let's get to serious content. Okay, um, Chris Atwood is a brand new pastor. Now, you guys, you you said a moment ago you moved from Indiana uh, to Ohio. How, how far away was the move? I know uh, those so states are next to each other. I think, but um, you know, a couple, yeah, the, couple it, inches. It was all the way across the state of Ohio to the east side. So um, it's a five-hour trip normally, but with uh, twins, it uh, very young twins, it's a seven-hour. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Okay, so you guys are moving to uh, to pastor this church. This is your first pastorate, and um, and and really, if if I recall from kind of reading things in the hall, I mean, you you guys were moving away from friends and family and community and and just to a place that. Uh, you know where you don't have any of that. Um, is that been challenging? That portion of you know how is that? Where I know that when Allison and I have in the past, when we, especially kind of early on in ministry, we're discussing about where where may God have us or have us pastoring, and 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 that was one of the things that really weighed heavily on us um, was that you know we could possibly be moving. At one point, we really came very close to accepting a job that was in California, the other side of the of the country from us. And, I mean, that, that was something that we thought of continually was just being away from friends and family. It was something we were willing to do if that's what the Lord was calling us to. But how, how has that been for your family? Um, between myself and my wife, there's different reactions because we grew up and we come from different sides of the tracks. Uh, she's very in a healthy, extremely closely tight-knit family, really healthy. Uh, I did not come from a background like that. So um, other than just a very, very few family members, uh, I don't have really strong ties. Uh, I've been more of a loner. But, um, yeah, that was actually reiterated to us numerous times in the interview process for this church specifically as things started surfacing, that it would be more feasible that this could actually happen. Um, we were reminded and encouraged just to take it to the Lord and make sure that we, we're counting the cost, um, that this will not be an easy, you know, pop back over to your in-law's house or see this person or that person. So uh, we, we did. We prayed about it a lot. Um, it was it felt relatively easier for me than I think for my wife, but um, she's told me many, many times um, since she you know knew and recognized the call of ministry on my life when we were first courting or dating 
that I will follow you wherever you feel the Lord calling. And it might not always be easy, but um, I'm faithful to the Lord. And as you're faithful to the Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you too. And, uh, you know, in, in your calling, in your ministry. So that's been a real blessing. But yes, it's it's not convenient. Um, it's been rough, actually, uh, building any kind of relationships and trying to find, for one, anyone within our age range or life experiences. Um, because not to knock on, you know, Southern gospel and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like I moved more out to where Tony Vance might be because everything is very country and Southern gospel. Mm. Um, so there's there's a culture change there. But uh, other than that, um, I'll give the obligatory um, Nathan Jeremiah Martin shout out and say that they have been a blessing <laughs> in uh, being able to just reach out to us and say, hey, you know, you guys are moving out here. Um, we need to hook up. We need to make this happen. And after one or two failed attempts, you know, it didn't work out. But uh, we ended up hanging out twice now. So it's it's been really awesome to be able to build some relationships. Yeah, that's really that that's really really cool. I, t- I tell you, that's. It's something I was thinking about the other day, and this is—I I, want to say this in relation to just all glory to God, um, and and your interaction with or relationship with the uh, with Jeremiah and Nathan strictly was from kind of getting to know them in the Hall of Dogma, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so you know, just going back to like when we first started this podcast, I mean, that was part of part of what we want to do is really just connect with people, and 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 wasn't sure how many people would listen or anything like that, but just having that opportunity. And I was just thinking the other day about how good is God, um, not only that we've been able to connect with some people, but just seeing a picture of Chris Atwood at Nathan and Jeremiah's house hanging out and thinking that God allowed that to happen from some, you know, kind of silly podcast that we do and some Facebook group that goes along with it. That was just a really cool thing for me. Uh, that was encouraging. And, yeah, it was. It was very that. encouraging. That was just just so neat. Um, one of the passages, Chris, that that I, I I read a lot back when we were talking about moving, and, and I think it was probably real similar with us. I, I don't. Um, I'm an only child. Uh, I don't have you know brothers yeah. and sisters, which is what that means. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't slip out. Uh, and. Uh, my dad's passed. My mom is still around, but my my family ties are not quite as tight as those that you know for my wife and 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 the ties that we have with her family, which I'm also very close to. So probably in some ways it was I won't say it was easier, but for me to kind of be willing to say, okay, we can you know we can make this move. Um, for my wife, who was willing to follow God in that, um, I think it. It, it showed a lot of her heart and, and what she was about. But one, a couple of the verses that, that we read a lot during that time, and, and, and in this instance, we said yes, and God eventually said no. And so it was kind of one of those, you know, God, we're willing to go if you ask us to. And, and God said, okay, thank you. I'm not going to ask you to. Um, <laughs> but Mark, Mark 10, uh, where Jesus said, Truly I tell you, no one who, is, who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel um, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. And so there's a lot in those passages, a lot. But part of what I always felt like was being communicated there was, I think people who are asked to give up community and family, uh, I think God promises to um, to give that back to them in some way. And so I, I always felt like if we were to go, God was going to ensure that that we did eventually find a community uh, where where He sent us, or in some way God was going to meet that need. And so uh, I think it's neat for you guys that that the Martins have have been a part of that. 
meeting that need. Uh, so part of what we want to talk about today was just kind of being, um, you know, young ministers are getting into ministry. Not all of us at the table are, are young anymore, Chase. But hmm. we, we can all remember when we were young. Chase, can you remember when you were young? Better than you. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, for a moment. I thought we'd just kind of go around the table and maybe just share something about when you were getting into ministry, what were some of the obstacles you remember. Uh, and Chris, for you, this this is obviously a little bit more real time right now, but just some of those obstacles that are facing someone, not either young pastor and, and not necessarily even age young, but just kind of young in ministry, um, if, if that's the case, but just something that you remember kind of being a difficult um, obstacle to overcome. So I'll, I'll just throw that out. Whoever has one that you can think to share, you can go first. I'll go first. Um, I think one of the more difficult obstacles I had to overcome in the first few years of ministry for me was uh, my own arrogance, uh, which is not overcome yet. Uh, don't get me wrong, but <clears throat> um went into my first church, uh, which was a Methodist church. It was kind of dry, dusty. Um, it, at the time, probably 150 or so members. The youth group was made up by, of about, uh, I don't know, seven kids, something like that. And they were all, this was, uh, this was in the 90s, and they were all grunge kids. Uh, so not your typical church kids by any means. So there's about six six grunge kids and two super innocent uh, junior high girls and me, this uh, kind of arrogant guy coming into a Methodist church where not a lot of them believed the Bible, just to be frank. And I felt like I had all the answers. I felt like I was the Bible guy. And in some senses, there might have been some truth to that compared to, I don't know, maybe the rest of the church, which was not very... Uh, I don't know. It was not very biblical, but but sensing that early on, I think I approached teaching and leading and things like that from a place of arrogance, pride. And one of the worst ways to teach, to lead, to bring truth to people is from a place of pride. Yeah. Even when you're right, even when you're saying the right things, when it's infected with pride, uh, and you know, I guess this is this is good for us husbands to to think about because maybe this is meaningful in that sense too. But even even when you're right and you're being prideful about it, <clears throat> that makes the truth just that much harder to swallow. And uh, I still wrestle with pride; it's still a big deal for me. But in my younger years. Uh, uh, I think there was no awareness that I was even wrestling with pride. And, and I think that had a divisive uh, effect on other church members. Uh, a lot of people gravitated towards my ministry. The youth ministry grow, grew. Uh, a lot of parents were, um, quote, in my corner. But and, and there was a lot of growth, and there was a lot of good things. But I, I think my pride alienated so many people, so many families, just absolutely unnecessarily. That's one of the things I've had to learn in ministry um, over twenty plus years is is that that pride makes the truth go down much harder than it needs to. It's to me, it's that understanding that you know what 
my way is not the only way to do something. Now, ultimately, and, and I've always used this. I've used this phrase several times. You know, God's work not done God's way is not God's work. There is a way I, I think of doing ministry that you know, if it is against what the Word says, if it is against biblical principles. You steer away from that. Even if you could point to someone who had done it that way and had some measure of "quote unquote" success, but there are plenty ways of doing ministry that the Bible really just doesn't speak to. It doesn't. It's gray areas. And I think having in a to me, I think that's one of the places. And if we get to this other subject, you know, uh, about divisiveness in the church, I think that's part of it. It's this idea that you know. There's this one way to go about church or one way to go about preaching or one way to go about um, worship. And, and you know what? If you get off of that way, then you're doing it wrong. And that's that's difficult. I mean, that, that's that's part of that is arrogance. Part of that is just assuming that your way is, is the right way. And I've, I've definitely suffered with that in ministry. Um, Chris, over to you. You're, you're kind of in the midst of it right now. I mean, just brand new pastor at where you are. Uh, what is what are some of the obstacles you've discovered as you know a guy who is uh, just kind of starting off pastoring? Uh, I would have to echo some of the things that you guys are talking about with pride and you know arrogance, and we need to keep ourselves in check. Uh, man, if if I just knew everything that I knew in the you know ten years ago when I was nineteen or when I was going into my early twenties, oh man, I. I would just know it all, wouldn't I? And I'm sure, you know, we can echo that amongst ourselves, too, that uh, we're younger at times, and uh, we, we really seem to know it all. We, we've seen it done right, or we know how it's done right because it worked for us. But uh, when it comes down to it, it's that whole thing. Um, I referenced this verse in my message this morning. You know, Paul tells the Corinthians that, you know, I die daily, and uh, we've got to remember that we're keeping ourselves in check every single day, uh, no matter what it is that we're doing, how we're approaching it. And some of that's not only just because it worked for us a certain way, maybe in ministry or how you approach relationships in ministry, but uh, there are times where um, there are people that I can reach and the Lord's going to use me and um, you know, you guys will never be able to reach and uh, maybe people would never give you the time of day and vice versa also. So just because I think I know how things will work, I need to give it up to the Lord and let him lead in how is the most apropos way to just reach people with the gospel within the context that they're in. Uh, I know that coming into this, uh, there is an older retired pastor who kind of pulled me aside and gave me a little encouraging but uh, warning word right before we left Indiana. And he let me know that um, when he was younger and early on, he learned over the years that when you start a new work, uh, many times, sadly, some of the people that are the most gun-ho and that are your loudest supporters end up being some of the first to actually turn and walk on you. And, uh, you know, that can happen, but it's just a matter of, you know, why are you doing this? Uh, are you doing this for the praise of man? Are you doing it because there are numbers in the seat and there's money in the ledger for the, the tithe and the offering or whatever it is for the funds? Um, it's going back to some, you know, private back and forth messages that David sent with me early on about a month or two ago. Um, it's just loving the people and remembering, uh, stay faithful. What Paul preached to the Corinthians, chapter 14, you know, I came to you preaching that which was of utmost importance, Christ and Him crucified according to the Scriptures. And it, we, we keep down on what is that main thing, 
And uh, that is a kind of segue to the other thing we were going to talk about with division. But, uh, you know, it's not just division among us and other people, but it, it that comes back to owning it in ourselves, too. We've got to make sure that we own the division that might be warring inside of us with our own pride or our arrogance or things of that nature. So keeping our eyes on Christ. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been some issues, you know, coming here and just dealing with that when tides don't go the way that you want them to. Um, you know, we, we got here and I was seeing a little under 20 people that were attending. And, uh, within about the first two months of being here, we dropped down to about five people. Uh, so sometimes there's a weeding out and, uh, also knowing that you're, you're a messenger of reconciliation of Christ and that you need to leave that door open too, because when there are people that will walk or if they say that they feel led a different way, um, you know, the Lord just might bring them back, and you don't want to burn bridges. Uh, mm. So we need to be graceful and season with salt in our actions and our words in those ways. Amen. So um, I definitely want to I want to stay open. I want to open my mouth when I need to and when I'm commanded to. But I definitely need to, in my youthfulness and my um, slowly fading youthful vigor that wasn't as much as it used to be, I need to shut up and I need to sit down sometimes. And I need to hear from the Lord, and I also need to hear from wiser people around me. So hopefully, you know, in the process of building relationships here, it's trying to um, find and seek out those people of wisdom and maturity and experience and just put myself in their way. Yeah, I, I think one of the things um, that you, you're talking about, the attendance level, and, you know, that was one of the ones that I was going to share, is I think that one of the big obstacles for me getting into ministry was learning to define what, quote-unquote, success is. I mean, because culturally, we you know just our culture believes okay it's successful if it's big, you know the yep. the successful churches are the ones with the most cars out front and things like that, and um, I, I think I can just all the time remember just spending time on a message, spending time preparing a message, and then getting to the church and the crowd just being a low crowd, especially when we were going through a time period before Chase got here where. Uh, there wasn't really a pastor, and people were 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 only a only a, a core group of people were really committed uh, to coming, and um, and so you know there's this there's just always that feeling of oh God you know I wanted more people to be here than this, and and I was really impressed, Chris. Uh, I mentioned this in as we were doing just kind of pre-show stuff, but just a, a picture that you posted from your church a couple of weeks ago. Um, from the back, which was a picture of your wife, Debbie, leading worship. And it looked like you know, maybe three people sitting in the congregation. And you just had a little hashtag on there that said, Christ is still worth it, uh, I believe is what you had put. And this really struck me. I mean, that, that, I just I told Chase, I would want to be able to say that. If I was in his situation, I would want to know that I could say, okay, God, you've sent me here. There were three people here to hear this message that I poured myself into this week, and um, Christ, you are worth it. But has that have you struggled there? Uh, has God given you a piece about, about that, or have there been some internal wrestlings as far as kind of working through those attendance issues and church growth and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't. Um, it's one of those things where I know solidified in my heart of hearts that uh, it's being faithful to that which God has called you. And, uh, you know, some people will use the cliched, you know, saying that uh, we count people because people count. 
Um, yeah, yeah, there's kind of a cheesy hallmark truth to that, but uh, when it comes down to it, it's what has God called you to? Because uh, you could be someone who has a booming and you know large harvest that God has ordained and called you to reach and to be faithful to. But you could also be like Jeremiah, uh, the weeping prophet, and you could never see the fruit of your labor. And people could just spurn you and just not care. And uh, it's just, I was not called to a number or a ledger seat, even though sometimes uh, within fellowships or denominations, they can, you know, look at those and they can say if the if the numbers aren't there for the money and stuff like that by a certain time, then, you know, funds might dry up. But, uh, you know, God can work above and beyond that. And I just need to focus on the word and stand on the word and love the people. Because uh, in the, the time of being here, it was only within the first month or month and a half of being here, um, I performed my first funeral here and got to know a family that was here. And um, of that family that is here, um, you know, there's some dysfunction there, and there's a lot of brokenness. There are situations where the law has had to be involved when it comes to mandatory reporting and with young people, and um, there's, you know, lifestyle preferences that aren't biblical, and those kind of people are ones that I was able to sit with as their mother was passing away, and I was meeting their mother and meeting them and just talk with them for four hours in their house on a couch that... You know, they think that a person, a man of the cloth, would never, you know, stoop to their level. But it's just, it's, it goes back to that, just loving the people. And uh, if you preach the gospel, I think I, I shared an image of this um, recently on my page. I don't remember who said it, the quote. Uh, but it's, if you continually be faithful and you preach Christ and Him crucified, and you, you make the gospel known over and over and you just don't waver, or deviate from it, you will see the most broken kinds of people in the world. The most, you know, dregs or degenerates are the people that seem to have it all together, but they're completely lost and broken and falling apart inside. So I'm willing to do that and put my hand to the plow, whatever form that looks like. I'm just going to keep trying to trudge on. Along those lines, Chris, uh, I, I was a church planner in the, in the 90s. <clears throat> um, tried a lot of different ways to evangelize, reach people, um, you know, door-to-door, prayer evangelism, etc. What, I don't, I, I doubt, just the little bit I know you, I doubt you have a one particular strategy, but talk about your approach to evangelism. Talk about how you guys are planning on, on reaching people. Uh, we've been doing some outreach within the area. We live in what's uh, known as the Twin Cities of Burexville and Denison, tiny little stain on the map here in Ohio. And uh, we, I, I got here and I kind of looked at the area. I drove around a little bit as I'm getting to know it. And I noticed that within three or four blocks from our church that's not in a great location when it comes to being visual and being known, there is a middle school. Um, not super, super small, but it's not huge. It's a decently sized middle school. And I thought well, who do we have here and what influence or what history have we had there? And if we don't have someone there, why don't we? Um, we had a relationship at our previous home church that we came from in Indiana. There was an elementary school um, quite literally in the backyard of our church. And uh, we served that school and we sent people in and I myself went in and was able to see the, the families and their children and to volunteer numerous times. 
And uh, if you spend any time in a place where people have their children, especially in the educational system, you'll understand the heartbeat of the community. And uh, it's it's almost like you know the the saying that the the quickest way to a man's you know heart is to his stomach. You you feed him and stuff. Well, it's a similar situation with a family that you know you don't peddle to their children, um, but in a sense you you care for the least of these in their own home. And it, it truly shows you that they really care about you. If if you bless my children, I'm gonna really you know be thankful to you. And uh, these people there, we we want to focus on them. We've done two outreaches, just blessing them, giving them something to remind them that we're you're not forgotten in this community. We appreciate everything that you're doing as the staff of this school and how you're pouring into these young people and these young minds of this community. Uh, we did uh, outreach to them and stuff and gift uh, baskets right before Thanksgiving, right before Christmas. And then following up with that also, we did a similar situation to both of the Twin Cities. So this is to each of the Eurexville and the Denison Police Departments and Fire Departments, the uh, local ambulance service with paramedics. Um, we put together movie night at home back for them, and we put together popcorn, um, candy, stuff like that, little snacks to have on the couch. And there was a red box code in each one of those bags so that they could go home, spend some time with their family over the holidays, any time that they might get, and just be together. Because if we're going to talk about families being so central, and if we're going to you know vote so that legislation makes it sound like families are important, then I would hope that we're doing what we can to actually put feet to that within our communities and our sphere of influence. So people might not know who we are yet, but um, some of the, the city people and the local school, they're slowly getting to know who we are. And just continuing to do things like that, we blessed a few local businesses in the same way, putting together some gift bags. And there was uh, also a lower income, I believe it was a lower income apartment complex. And we put together 22 gift bags for the 22 tenants that were currently residing there and gave them to them right before Christmas. So uh, we're doing that. We're just loving the community and trying to build relationships because um, I, I quite frankly don't care yet how many heads show up on Sunday morning because if I shepherd and if I can pastor this community I will become their shepherd and their pastor and I would much rather those relationships be built outside the church before they come in that's that's so cool man it's um and and I I think having incredibly humbling yeah having that type of attitude and heart is you know um I think there is so much pressure going back to what we were talking about a moment ago of what success looks like, and there's so much pressure to get the numbers. Um, you know, I think it causes pastors to maybe get their eyes off. I, I think in, in some places that's really why you get into the mode of Sunday morning being more about how appealing can we make this because we want to get people here. And and I understand, again, people will say, we want to get them here so we can get them saved. But um, I, there's this part of me that, that – we're so number driven, you know, associations, they're asked to turn in how many baptisms they had, membership role. I mean, if you tell someone you're a pastor, this happens to me all the time. If you tell someone you're a pastor, one of the first things they will say is, how many people go to your church? What size? Is your yeah, church? what size is your church? Yeah. But it's it's like this, um, and, and in all honesty, that, that goes back to some of that immaturity in me that, you know, I kind of want to fluff the numbers up a little bit, you know, no matter what size the church is, it wouldn't matter. I'd kind of want to make it sound a little bit larger because again, that's just culturally it's, it's about, you know, being successful by how many people you have there. So that, I mean, that kind of reminds me and I'm, I'm not proud of this, but, um, in some of the 
churches I grew up in, there seemed to be just the business culture of America had almost seemed to creep in. And it was very much um, kind of success position driven, and you almost had to level up. And so, um, and I'm not trying to push back on the idea of you know pastors take on under you know younger men and, and train them up. Not at all, but it did seem like you had to to level up through the ranks, and and you're waiting for that next guy to move on, climbing so that corporate ladder. You, yes, so you were climbing the, church, the corporate yeah. ladder inside a church, and. Um, I do. I remember, you know, and I was I was young and immature, and, and I didn't know any better. But uh, well, I, looking back, I I knew better. But it it seemed okay in the area we were in. But um, there was um, a youth job kind of up in the air, and um, you know, rather than kind of, I just still don't feel right about the way I just approached the pastor about it, um, but. I did. I, I know now that I didn't do it for the right motivations. The execution, I didn't talk bad about anybody, but my motivation was off because I, I was I was I was looking for a position. I was looking for a title rather than just being there, ministering, doing what I could, and letting the Lord yeah. put those things in place. And so, um, you know, just kind of fighting that corporate mentality in churches. Um, that's been an obstacle. It's what you're talking about. The numbers I still have, um, I still find myself finding validation in position at times. I'm not proud of that, but even here at the Hall of Dogma Church, you know, I, I, I find myself doing it. So, and I think too, you, it gets you into that mode of, um, you know, I, I love what you were saying, Chris, about hey, I, I want to be a commu- a pastor in this community, and I think that's the, mm-hmm. you know. I was sharing this with a friend I was eating lunch with this past week, but that, you know, especially in the, I, I know this is true in the Baptist denominations, It, I've heard it said before, kind of among pastors, well, you know, you got about seven years. Mm. And once you've been in a place about seven years or so, you know, you've kind of done what you can do there, and you really just kind of need to move on to another place, and they need to get so, kind of someone, you know, kind of fresh, and you need a fresh start. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, I well, so if you want to climb the ladder, I used to hear people talk about a three-year cycle. Three-year cycle. And, and part of that get, is you rode that wave because, getting at larger church, you know. Yes, it was springboarding. Yeah. So where the seven-year would be kind of cresting and back over, that three-year would be you'd, you'd get to the kind of pinnacle and you'd bounce off of it. I tell you, I'm just – and I am not negating God moving people around. I'm not negating no, God, you know, the, his call to move people from one place to another. But I, I tell you, the guy that I would run across that would say – I've been I've been pastoring at this church for 20 years. That's impressive to me yes. to, because you know in that 20 years that guy has run into a lot of lean times and and good times and 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 a lot of issues. But to stick it out and persevere and continue pastoring in that place, uh, to me, that's um, you, you run across someone like that. That's impressive. That's um, the guy you want to say, hey man, can we meet every other week? Yeah, so, yeah. Like Chris was talking about trying to put himself in in position of being. You know, kind of under some older guys. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the kind of guy you want to look for. Uh, we're almost out of time. I want to read. I re- just want to read this quote. This is um, John Piper quote. I don't think Nick, we're going to get to your segment. It doesn't look like. Yeah, color me shocked. Um, <laughs> Free I, Nick. I, this is thank you, Chris. I, it's very rare that we 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 aren't able to get to Nick's segment, but it looks like it's not going to happen today. So, but I, I want to read this Piper quote. Um, Piper, he was he was talking about speaking 
speaking in front of a group of 60,000 people at a, at a large conference. I think it was like maybe the Passion Conference or something like that. And uh, he was asked the question, you know, what would you say to a pastor who desires to preach on a large platform like that? And this was, this was his answer. I would say that's a very bad desire. What we want is to have an effect on people's lives for the glory of Christ. Whether we, uh, whenever we, wherever we are, I'm sorry, wherever we are, we aim to encourage the people in the moment in the ministry that God gives. Do it with all your might, but be utterly devoted to him and to the good of the people. Let the crowd, the size, and the ripple effect be his. Always say, God, I'm going to drop this pebble in this little or this big group, this Bible study, or this church service, the word will be the pebble. And I ask you to breathe on it and blow on the water and let the ripple of that pebble be carried uh, by him. If he wants it to be a wave that breaks over 60,000 people, so be it. But if it is a ripple that is just for 12 people in the room, then that's good enough. And, um, you know, when I read that, I was like, "That's, that's, you know, I really think John Piper's a guy that would have been okay with preaching to 12 people in a room if that's what God had said. Um, I don't know him personally. That may not be true, but it's, it certainly seems like that. And I, I think that biblical message to shepherd the flock, of God, uh, the, the flock of God that is among you, whether that is a group of five people or God sees fit to bring a flock of 500 people, that at the end of the day is quote-unquote success. It is fulfilling the ministry that God has given you in every season of life, whatever that looks like, and however many people that, you know, is there. So, uh, Chris, you know, just personally, you encourage me, man. Um, you know, I mean, in all honesty, it would, you know, if you'd kind of walked into a pastorate of 125 people and, you know, things going, clicking along pretty well, um, that'd be great. But, in the situation that you are and just kind of seeing your heart and and being willing to just try to reach the community and trust God with what those numbers look like that's uh, it's very encouraging and uh, it's it's really glory to Christ uh, for the heart that he's given you so I, I appreciate that about you thanks man solo day Gloria amen amen well Chris this has been a blast man thank you for being on the show thank you for discussing church planting and pastoring with us that's a fun conversation we always want to have so good stuff where um if if people are interested in kind of what you're doing want to you know support you emotionally with prayers what do you want us to tell them oh let's see i just updated the website actually you can find us on uh we got a periscope we got instagram we've got twitter and we're on facebook uh you can find us online at uh lwcurixville.com and that's lwcuhrichsville.com and you can find us on Facebook at Living Waters Church Urixville and you'll see us and uh, if you're on the website you'll see me meet the pastor what is the gospel and uh, where we're at in our messages and you can eventually even from the Facebook find us on YouTube I have just started uploading the messages so they're fairly primitive, and uh, hopefully I'm doing decent as a broken vessel. But uh, try to be faithful, so check us out. Make sure to say hi, and I'd love to hear from anyone out there. Awesome. I think we can probably get that in the show notes. So Yeah, I think we can. How come uh, you two guys haven't 
liked the uh, Facebook page of Living Waters Church, Yorksville, well, Ohio. We've actually I spell Yorksville <laughs> until he clarified it. Mm-hmm. I've actually been engaging with Chris in the audience rather than playing on my laptop. So, <laughs> well, I oh my. just uh, don't think there's any evidence of you caring about Chris or his ministry beyond just staring at a screen. So. Well, I will tell you this, that uh, Chris Stathard, uh our friend across the pond, he's actually liked the Facebook page, so he's a step ahead of all of you. Not, not all of us, just a step ahead of Nick and David. Because a long time <laughs> yeah. ago, I liked the Facebook page, a long oh, time. Man. Look, he's only a step ahead of us because he's in like a different time zone. He's uh, 70 seconds. The world gets there, the, the next day gets there for him before it does us, so... Look, yeah, Chris, yeah. that's awesome. He can, you even have hours. You guys he are can open like from something. 10 to 12 on Sundays. That's hilarious. I'm still asleep. <laughs> that's that's true. problem. That that's is funny. true. Helped him out in fantasy more. football this year, though. Did it? Maybe I misunderstood what you are saying. Yeah, I think you Chase's did. Chris Dodard doesn't play. Uh, oh, I thought we were talking about football. Chase's odd hours. I'm sorry. My <laughs> he, bad. Doesn't even like, he doesn't even like fantasy football. He's a, a soccer guy. Right. He Real, real football, football, as he calls it. There we go. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm now I'm browsing your site. What is your um, site built on? I don't even know. It's okay. like yeah. something alert, obscure. It wasn't Clover <laughs> yeah. or anything. So okay, um, I'm just kind of looking at it now. So very nice. All right. Well, we'll have um, links to to the church and Chris's Facebook, uh, the church's Facebook, things like that, on our website, thegospelfriends.com. Um, Red Verbage has already told you how to get in touch with us, but we'll repeat it again real quick. At my gospel friends on the Twitter, uh, hallofdogma.com will get you to the Facebook group. Again, um, unless you seem to be a spam bot, uh, we will let you join. And as long as you aren't a goober, we will let you stay. Um, we Great. just <laughs> we just want people to come in there and um, talk about the gospel and encourage one another and love one another. So most of the time, we manage um, all of those. If you want to leave us a voicemail, please do two zero five five seven five nine seven three five or speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends i can't think of any other things um so tune in next week when you may hear the reverend verbiage say don't forget this week's episode was brought to you by our friends at atwood's bluetooth burritos pick up a batch this week at a supermarket near you that's amazing nice Jesus is a friend of mine.